What's going on, everyone? And welcome back to another episode of Business is Pleasure. My name is Jonelle, and I'm here with Colette. She is the co-owner of the Carna Trading Company, and so am I. So if this is your first time checking out Business is Pleasure, this is where we take some time, review our week in terms of our business, see how things were going, and also our relationship as well. But the first way we always start off Business is Pleasure is how was your week? worked on stuff leading up to our events uh got organized for events nothing crazy yeah it's good um i kind of had a really nice weekend as well too i like the fact that like we're able to like go to montreal we're able to like hang out in a city that like we really both enjoy and love and that food man that food so guys there's this thing called like a pate it's not a patty it's a pate it's this like turkish pastry dish with like ground chicken or beef in it and it tastes incredible so cotton and i we feel like kind of cock not cocky i guess like bougie so it's like a bad day so that's like our little thing we didn't get a chance to have one while we're down there but it's okay um but the thing that we love the well, i personally love about montreal the most is like the culture and the food the food is incredible you know like you can never have enough butter and they do an amazing job with making sure this all the food tastes amazing. So I was really, really happy to go to Montreal and everything. I really enjoyed it. And also just the event. Like the thing I liked about this event for the most part was that like the location was really good. It was really central and part of Montreal. So in terms of like being able to talk to people and just the event being consistent in terms of traffic all day, it allowed us like not to become like overly bored or over the event. And um, I, I, I like how I, I, I didn't like though like um how it was curated. It seems as if like it was really um female based in terms of like um the people that were there. There weren't like a lot of guys that was like our stuff. So sometimes some clients would come in and they weren't they didn't feel as if there was like a big enough variety of pieces to choose from. But it's okay, we were there, so we took care of all the guys for the most part, so which was really good. So overall, I thought the event like went really good, and there's another one coming up shortly, so hopefully we'll be able to do that one as well. But overall, yeah, like Montreal is always a great city, it's always a good time. And I think this is like one of the first times where we went out of town for an event, and we actually got to enjoy the town for a little bit. So we got to eat, of course, when we're in Montreal, like numerous times. So it was nice, I, I had a great weekend. Yeah, I think it was a good weekend. Um, I, the thing that I like about Montreal, it's like a completely different culture, right? So you kind of have the ability to appeal to a different group of people. Um, I wouldn't say completely different culture, but it is like a different vibe, especially when it comes to like vintage. They have like a different overall aesthetic. Like they're more so into like the vibe of vintage as opposed to like mm. the actual like brands and stuff like that that we would associate with vintage here in Toronto, I guess I could say. They're a little bit more chill, a little bit more relaxed, and it also gives us the ability to sell, like, more, I would say, in a sense, because, um, but not necessarily more, but sell a different variety, mm -hmm. I would say, um, because you have people that are just interested in things that people in Toronto are not necessarily less interested in, but, yeah, no, actually, that's true, less interested in, so. Yeah, because I think in Toronto, one of the major things about the vintage community here is that, like, it's really brand dominant so if you have like a crazy brands like polo the tommy hill figure the vintage nikes and stuff like that in toronto anyway people are more likely to just be attracted to those brands 
but I feel like in Montreal, it's more so the style they like. They like the structure of a particular shirt, not necessarily the brand. They like the materials, or just even the styling of the way a certain pant or jacket is, you know what I mean? And I think we've talked about this before, that's the type of fashion we really enjoy. We understand that like style is really dope when you can create it and make it your own, and you could become like an individual through the vintage style, but in Toronto, of course, it's more so like, hey, I have more brands, so I look cooler. Or I have more brands, so I'm the better dresser and stuff like that. Which is fine. At the end of the day, it's like everyone kind of has their own reason or rhyme why they dress the way they dress. So in Montreal, I think like I was able to appreciate a lot of the style a lot more. Because, of course, it was representative of what I like. You know, So my opinion is totally biased, guys. So... If you are someone that loves big brands, like do your thing, it doesn't matter. Cause that's a majority of our clientele anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. So I think that that's always good or, or, and everything, you know? And I think it just goes to show that like no event is the exact same, right? And it's funny too, cause maybe even next time when we go back there, we might even get a different clientele that comes in, you know? Maybe they'll be able to garner a different clientele that loves all the big logos and loves all the hyped vintage stuff right and it also depends on the demographic of like the actual organizer too because mm. like for example we did an event uh, two weekends prior in montreal and it was still had a little bit more of that like vintage style vibe but it also still had a bit more of the like actual vintage brands and streetwear and stuff like that as well so mm. it also depends on the demographic of like the organizer and the the people that they reach out to and who pays attention to them enough to come to their events so mm-hmm. it kind of depends like honestly at the end of the day like we said like every event's pretty different you can't really guarantee that you're going to get a certain type of demographic or a certain type of clientele you just kind of have to go with it and see what how the day plays out and that's why it's always really good when you're at an event or when you're preparing for an event to have a pretty good variety right because you want to be able to appeal to every type of client that you may have if you have just specifically one type of clothing or one type of vintage it's going to be hard for you to capitalize off of the whole market itself right so yeah and i think even with us like adjusting the way we present the clothes a bit allowed us to actually even sell more or even appeal to more clients like what you're saying right for instance before we used to have the jean table we put the shorts there the jeans there the long pants as well so we'd have like all these different pieces of clothing all in one place that made it look a bit too busy but now the jean shorts the nylon shorts and like the nylon pants we hang those up you know so now we're allowing ourselves one to allow the clothing to be presented more neatly and in like a nice crisp fashion and two now we're allowing ourselves for people to buy multiple items because let's say you see a a t-shirt you're like oh crap those pants or those shorts go well with this t-shirt so we're allowing our return on investment or like um units per purchase to be a lot higher and uh, the, and the good thing about it too now we're attra- attracting a larger audience base as well too right because before a lot of our shorts they were like thrown in the back or a lot of pants we wouldn't put out just because we didn't have the space but now that we have the space we're attracting more people and it's just giving us a bit um a higher probability for people to purchase items from us and i think that's one thing like essentially what you're trying to say is that like when you figure out when you do see an event maybe try to look at previous events that they've done so you can kind of see what type of vendors were there what their audience kind of is wearing so you can really accommodate those people who can potentially come and one thing i did like about this event i think more than others too i think it was two things i was going to say i liked how like a lot of the vendors were like, really friendly and come with our table but i think that might have been a result of the bathroom being right next to us 
Like, you know, like a lot of them just kind of had to go to the bathroom. So like, oh, well, I'll just talk to these guys and, you know. And a lot of people that were actually just so nice, so friendly. And that's one thing I really do like about Montreal. In Toronto, it's like a big city. So people are fast-paced, quick, don't really have the time of day for you sometimes. I feel like in Montreal, they'll give you 15, 20 seconds. Like, you know, see how everything's going. Really polite, really well-mannered. So I do like that a lot. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's a lot more, like, personable mm-hmm. or, like, small-town feel as opposed to, like, Toronto, for example. Like, at least when I interact with people and when I'm in Montreal, I feel like I'll probably run into them again. Whereas, like, sometimes when I interact with people in Toronto, I'm like, yeah, I'm never going to see you ever again. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Because, like, like, Toronto almost has a population of 2 million. I think Montreal is, like, maybe that's a bit over a million or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, like, I would assume that, like, our vintage scene is maybe twice the size of theirs, where there's a smaller, a lot more niche. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I think like if we're constantly in those same circles, we are definitely gonna run back to those same people. And I think that's why it's important to always be consistent with everyone, because with the, with a lot of the events that we're doing, we'll see the same audience over and over and over again, you know. And I think if we are to like stop being consistent or stop being like the people we are online and offline, we can really like throw some people off. Right? It's like, hey, one week, we're like these nice, jolly people that are selling this type of clothing. Then next week when we come back, we're totally different. Now we're being assholes. It's like, we also have to understand, like, hey, we're here representing Clarendon Co. So whatever is going on between us, whatever is going on between the day, we're not happy or whatever, we always have to make sure we stay consistent for Clarendon Co. and the business. And I think it's just who we are as people. Like, we're never going to not say hi to someone. We're never going to not interact with someone. Mm-hmm. Like, we, at the end of the day, like, yeah, we're there for business, but we're also there just as, like, people. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's, like, common courtesy that when someone walks into your vicinity, you should say hi. You should acknowledge them and interact with them if that feels normal in the situation or moment, right? So I feel like we're not, it's not like we're forcing it. Like, we're not being people that we're not. We're just being who we are, and we are Clarendon Co. So yeah. that's how it kind of translates. And I feel like back to our layout, the way that we had it laid out, I think also really helped as well, because it was, it was, it was, we, we had space. And I feel like that's one of the things that sometimes we forget about when we're doing events is like the layout actually does matter. Oh, 100%. If something is like too crammed or like things look too squished together or things don't look organized or things don't look like we put time and energy to make it look presentable, then that's. Uh, one thing that's already going to off-put people before they even started looking at anything. Mm -hmm. So, like, we had so many comments throughout the weekend, like, people being like, oh, like, we like how this is set up, we like how it's organized, it's nicely, like, color-coordinated and stuff like that. And I feel like that's putting a positive foot forward for that person to go look through or, like, pick whatever they might like, right? Mm -hmm. If it's not organized, if it doesn't look aesthetically appealing from the beginning people are more likely to just walk away. And I think one thing I really liked about our um, display as well is just that, like, you will attract your particular audience how you present yourself some of the time. You know what I mean? Like, hey, if you're a gold-digging girl and you're looking for someone with a lot of jewelry on because you think they have money of course like you know they'll attract each other and i think like the way that we present ourselves the way we present clarendon co and the way that we display our clothing allows us to attract our audience and our demographic you know what i mean because there was some stuff that i saw at the event i was like holy crap like this shit's amazing like you know and that attracted me like you know so i think like it also works for our 
for our best interest as well too when people would be like oh crap like this stuff is so well laid out and I could tell by the clothing and the textures of it from just by looking at it that it may be something that interests me and I think that's one thing you always got to take into consideration when it's like running a business especially when you're running a business in person I think the idea of running a business online is totally different right for instance like when you're online you don't necessarily have to like always say hi to people because you don't know who is coming who's coming I guess like more or less in and out of your store right and also like you don't need to ask every, and on, online you don't need to ask someone like hey how, how um, you've been in our store for 20 minutes now how are things coming along you know so that physical interaction is a lot different online compared to in person and I think it the way we translate that is really well for instance like when someone messages us about an item online we don't take an hour to respond we try to be as punctual as possible when someone in person now comes by we ensure that we try to be as polite as possible say hi just you know just try to be as engaging and endearing as possible as well too right so i think if someone was to speak with us online and then shop with us in person it would be like a really smooth transition and that's why i think it's so important to be consistent you know that's how we build our brand that's how we build our name it's like oh crap like i talked to these guys and i seen their videos online and like they seem really cool and chill and then when i go in person they're the same people you know? And I think also part of having a small business is that mm. like people are shopping with you because you have the ability to connect with them and to interact with them and ensure I think a part of it is that. Yeah, part of it and share an experience that they wouldn't necessarily get by shopping at the mall or mm. shopping at a big uh, like brand or department store, right? So like I feel like we need to like validate that for people because a lot of the times like that's what they're looking for. Like when someone is like, Hey, like can you take a better picture of this or can you take a close-up picture or mm -hmm. whatever that's it's, them asking like hey can you give me a size small yeah that's and yeah. and they're and they're reaching out to us because they have that one-on-one -on -one contact with us as opposed to shopping at like some random store online where it'll take them 48 business 48 hours to get back to you you know what i mean like they want that quickness and at the end of the day like that quick quickness and that customer service it it's to our advantage because on your phone there's so many easy ways to for someone to get distracted right mm -hmm. So if we can answer them quickly, give them whatever they need, and they can pay and purchase whatever there, it's even better for our business as well. So. No, no, a hundred percent, man. And I think that's one of the things that people don't talk enough about in small businesses. Um, just how consistent are you being in every aspect of the business? And I think that's one thing that's extremely, extremely, extremely important. Consistency has the potential to breed a lot of success. But the hardest part is just that staying consistent as much as possible. And I think with you and I, we've kind of realized that like, hey, we, we want to give ourselves enough grace, but still keep ourselves accountable when it comes to like not remaining consistent, you know? So I think like with us, especially this next quarter, because for me, like June 1st is like a brand new half of the year, sorry. So like a lot of the things that I think worked well, let's double down on that, you know, like marketing worked extremely well, creating content doing shows worked extremely well you know but then of course there are other aspects that's like you know what maybe we shouldn't do these things because it's not working as well for instance like um some of the products that we picked maybe we should stay away from that stuff like all of those windbreakers that are like 90s 80s style they were working really well earlier in the year but now not as much you, you know what i mean so i think like we just need to reposition the business and just do like slight changes in certain things just so we can remain successful and i think that's one thing like Sometimes, like, a lot of people don't think about in terms of the business is, like, hey, are we doing enough reflection for the last six months, last year and a half, what was working well, and what can we just change or fine-tune just to ensure that 
we continue the same rate. Yeah, and for me, like, I agree with all of that, but I think over the next, like, six months, I feel like we need to, not over the next six months, but like you said, we should look back on the previous six months Mm -hmm. and see, like, what are all those, like, little small tasks that, like, we haven't been able to get done, but it takes not really that much time at all. It just takes us thinking about it, focusing on it, and getting it done. Yeah, like, doing the podcast. Like, it's a small task that literally takes half an hour. Yeah. And then that's it. And, like, just, like, other stuff. Like, just, like, little, like, smaller, like, like financial things, logistic things that, like, it can be easily done in I feel like you're talking to yourself right now. I feel like you're talking about yourself right now. Sure, whatever you want. You're not talking about me. Because you know me already. I got my shit done. Whatever you want to call it. So, yeah, that's from, from, I guess, myself personally because you don't want to be involved in that. So, that's what I want to do for the next little bit so I can be on track for July moving forward well I already am involved our business we're in this together so whatever you do do or don't do it's gonna affect me so nice try though um but yeah like overall like I'm really excited for the next six months of the business and everything so I think it's gonna be really good I like I'm happy it's like the way the business has been transitioning over the last like four years I think it just really goes to show like our resilience as like business people you know because there was times where it's been like three months, two months, three weeks where we didn't get any sales. And we're like, yo, what's going on? What are we doing wrong? You know? And I think if we can do another one of those now, we're like, what's going on? What's working so well? That's where we can get to that next level. I have a couple of ideas of what I want to do. And like, I see like where things are going. Because like we've done a bit of like market research, I guess, with like our starter kit for resellers. And we're getting amazing traction on that. People are commenting. People are talking about it. A lot of people have been like, hey, I've seen your picture before. Are you that girl that's in that picture? Whatever. And I think that's important as long as the awareness is out there. And plus, with that awareness, we also have good content to back it up as well, too. So I think something like that now, I want us to like figure out how can we make it a lot more valuable for our clients without it being tacky or without it being like useless more or less you know and then of course there are other aspects as well like maybe there are some shows we shouldn't do anymore maybe there's some things we should try to focus on more and stuff like that too right for instance like even like the whole like hype beast stuff like you know a part of me wants to like stay away from that just so just so but because all the shows that we do we do for that stuff it's in the states right and of course, there's so much more liability when it comes to stuff like that, like logistics, losing stuff. And also, like, we also have to sell so much more to get to make, like, the same amount of profit we would if we were just only selling vintage in Toronto or Ottawa or whatever the case may be, right? So I think, like, just, like, close to looking at those things like that and to and to see, like, does it make sense if we stay away from the hype stuff? Or maybe we should just double down more on the hype stuff or whatever, you know? So I want us to really do, like, a nice breakdown of, like, what has been working for us. I think we kind of have, like, an idea of what has been working, but we don't necessarily have, like, a concrete analysis of, like, okay, well, when we post at these times with these products, like the we actual do that numbers. Exactly. So, like, I want us to, like, really just, like, have a look at it and be like, okay, crap, like, this is working really well, like, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. No, I, I couldn't agree more. It's, like, at the end of the day, I feel like we both want to scale our business and get to 
another level because I feel like we're at the point where we've kind of like mastered this stage. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of. Like, I, I wouldn't say mastered. I, I, I I'm trying to be humble now because I know you're not the humble type. But I'm trying to be a little humble. You know. No, what I'm mastered isn't. I'm not saying mastered master. doesn't. At the end of the day, I, I think we're ready to go to the next stage. Yeah, I'll that's say what I'm that. saying. At the end of the day, any even like the person who was reached, I don't know, enlightenment. You're still learning. Mm-hmm. Like there's no such thing as like being done with like growing and developing. Maybe that is enlightenment. Understanding that you're still learning. That's beautiful. Sure. But like at the end of the day, nice. like where we've grown nice. to this stage and we've been able to kind of understand it and understand the intricacies of it and we're still developing and the development that we'll continue to get is also going to help us get to the next level. And it's crazy though because like we've only been able to get this level and understand that we can go to the next level by being consistent. Because if you're inconsistent at this level here, you're not going to be able to realize, okay, like, what am I doing incorrectly? Or what am I doing correctly? So I can either, hey, take a step back, refocus, and try to recalibrate this thing. Or like, hey, it's time to speed things up and go to the next stage and next level of our business. Yeah, and also, at the end of the day, if you're not consistent, you have no data. If you're not consistent, you don't know. No, you'll have data. You won't have good data, though. Yeah, which good data is... Almost as bad data. No data, right? It's better than no data. You don't have the ability to figure out or extrapolate like what's working, what's not working. How can I be different if you haven't even put in the work in the first place? And I feel like that's where a lot of people get stuck. Myself personally, sometimes is that you don't know what work to put in, so you just don't do work at all. I saw this thing today, and it was nice. It's this new um page that we're following on kind on Cole's page. It's called um Black Business Empowerment. And the guy had this thing, and it's so true. He was like, overact and underthink. And I think that's one of the biggest things in like a majority of things in life, you know what I mean? It's like, hey, like you see that guy that you want to talk to, but instead of like, instead of just getting up the courage and go talking to him, you as a woman, you may be like, oh, like maybe he does this, da, 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 da. It's like, hey, just do the work and worry about that after. And I think a lot of businesses, especially ours at the beginning, and even right now, like we're so worried on like, this has to be perfect. That has to be in place. This has to be done. And if that's not done, we can't move on. It's like, hey, like, of course, when I say underthink, I mean, like, let's be calculated. But realistically, we only need this amount of information to get this task done. But, like, we'll f- try to force ourselves with, like, what, what is it? Um, paralysis by too much analysis? Sure. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, sometimes if you analyze something too much, you kind of, like, weaken yourself because, like, you have too much options to pick from instead of doing something you just wonder about what to do next and i think like a lot of that over analysis comes from a fear or like a fear of whatever you're doing like isn't going to work or it's not going to pan out properly however it pans out is how it's supposed to pan out and like a lot of the times when i feel like i'm overthinking things which is usually quite often i think about a plant and like i think about the fact that like you water a plant every single day and it grows right you don't think about how it's growing you don't think about why it's growing you don't think about all the things that it needs to grow all you think about is watering sunlight cool it grows right so like the same thing applies to like your business or like any goals that you may have like if you nurture it and you work towards it and you're you're steadfast and determined on like making something out of it you don't really necessarily need to focus on how that's going to happen because if you put in the action and you put in the work it's going to pan out into something eventually. No, that's so true. And it's crazy because I was talking to one of my friends today. After then, we were just talking. I was just like, you know what? If you don't want to do something, you'll find an excuse not to. 
And I think sometimes that's why people overanalyze. They really don't want to put in the work. They really don't want to fail, you know? So they'll find every excuse to find the right algebraic code, but still won't implement the formula. And that's one thing, like, I think we've stayed away from. It's like, hey, like, trial and error. To, to, to me, that's what trial and error is. Trial and error is underthinking, having, like, a small dose of what is working, and then, then you can overthink. And, like, to me, like, one of the things that I always think of is, like, people have created and continue to create and run, like, multi-million dollar businesses off of a lot less information. So, like, if they can do it, then why can't I? Sometimes too much information isn't necessarily the best thing. Sometimes you kind of have to have, like, blinders on and just do the work and push forward and you'll see the work pay off when it pays off. One thing I want to see a lot of people talk talk more about in the vintage community, not vintage community, sorry, in the business community, um, try it. And if it fails, try again. Like, we don't talk about that enough. We, like, we don't talk about, like, hey, like, okay, it didn't work, just try it again. Like, like, okay, you're not in debt, you didn't die, and, you, like, no one's feelings are hurt, like... Yeah, that's actually pretty interesting, because I feel like a lot of times when people talk about that, they just say the whole saying, like, oh, like, like, seven, ever, like, seven, I don't know, you know that there's that number, like, oh, this percentage of businesses fail within their Seventh, first year, yeah, 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 yeah. or, like, these, 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 these successful business owners went through, like, 10 unsuccessful businesses mm. before they got their successful one mm. and it's like yeah like it's cool to like mention stuff like that but at the same time it focuses on the failure as opposed to for focusing on what is learned through that failure right no i don't see it like that so for instance like i'm not sure if we have enough time so but like the way i see it is that like they're basically saying failure is a part of the success yeah. Like, it's very unlikely that your first thing is going to be your best thing. No, I know, but like, you know, I feel like from that That's the way I... Per maybe, I maybe you want to... No, be, but uh, I feel like a lot of the times that, that perspective, sometimes it, like, archetypes people and it feels like they can't move forward because mm -hmm. they're like, oh, well, like, instead of having the perspective of trial and error, like, we have, mm -hmm. like, failure as part of the process, it's more so like, oh, like well, I'm likely to fail because this is my first business venture. Like, you can be really successful on your yeah, first business venture. which is venture, very unlikely. Which is very unlikely, yeah. but why do we have to focus on that? No, I, I don't think, I don't, I don't necessarily see this focusing on it, but I think we need to be honest and as authentic as possible. Like, that is a part of it. Understand that, like, hey, you're probably going to hit a wall at some point or fail at some point, but that's not the end. Like, failing, yeah, failing isn't the end. But that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that that statement, in a sense, like, it focuses on... I, no, I think it depends on the person. Because, for instance, like, from my perspective, I don't think it focuses on that. Maybe for you, sure. you do, right? So I think it just depends on the person. If you're someone that's, like, a bit, like, pessimistic, then maybe you might interpret it as, oh, yeah, like, they'll just focus on negatives. And then, and then of course, there are other people where it's like, okay, well, that's that's going to come about. Let's try and, like, prepare ourselves for this, you mm -hmm. know? But um, before we head out, is there any last words you want to know? All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us this time on Business Pleasure. Until next time, peace.